Well, hello, Westside Family Church. You may have a seat. For those of you who are visiting today, we are super excited to have you as our guest. And um, one of the things that you need to know if you're new <clears throat> is that uh, God has been doing some really cool things at this church, calling us to some amazing adventures. And it's called Unshakable, which we launched in January, where God is inviting us to really focus our attention on learning how to love people better how to wrap God's family around their family, whether you're inside the walls of the church and a part of the family, or you're outside uh, the walls of the church and don't think anybody's coming. And so uh, one of the uh, initiatives of Unshakable is that we want to sort of honeycomb Kansas City with these, these things we're calling area communities, basically a collection of Westsiders that live in a, a particular area surrounding an elementary school uh, committed to doing life together and being on mission for Christ in that circle around elementary schools. And so what we do is we are going to be launching them all year long, and uh, we do it for, uh, for four weeks, and we have the people who live in that community uh, experience the worship service in our South Sanctuary. This is our North Sanctuary. That's our South Sanctuary. They get introduced to their uh, area community shepherds, a man and a woman. And for four weeks, they not only celebrate the service together, but they also learn what it means to be an area community on mission for Jesus in that area. So we launched our very first one. We're launching it right now. It's called the Prairie Ridge Area Community, and it's for Westsiders who live in the Prairie Ridge Elementary School area. And this is their third of four weeks of getting together before we launch them to be the hands and feet of Jesus out there, like in the real world where you stick people and they bleed, right? And uh, so we want to give them a round of applause uh, as we go into the room right now. Ready? Here we go. We're going to go into the room. Ready? 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 We're going. There we go. Woo! Well, good morning. Brad, uh, it's great to see you. Brad's one of our pastors over Next Steps. Uh, Brad, this is week three. What are you guys focusing on today after the service? Yeah, good morning, Randy, and good morning, Westside. Our focus today is what it looks like to be on mission, to serve the families in the Prairie Ridge Area Committee. And one of the key components, one of the exciting green lights we've just been given is our school partnership with Prairie Ridge Elementary School and the mentorship program that we're gonna be able to discuss today and launch this week. So one of the main factors of what we do as far as wraparound families and the love and the support for the Prairie Ridge Area Community along with other serve opportunities to uh, affect families in our Prairie Ridge area. Yeah, we met with the uh, principal of Prairie Ridge, and they've given us a thumbs up to partner with them, right? And I heard Amen. there's already five students that are uh, going to be uh, open to be mentored by Westsiders. Is that true? That is true, Randy. So we're ready to go. These, these folks are excited, and uh, here we go. Here we come, Prairie Ridge Elementary. That's super exciting. Let's give our hand up one time, more time for the Prairie Ridge area community. Okay, today we are in week three of an important, important series called God's Word. Fantastic. It's one of our main values as a church. It's important that you not only have it memorized, but know it from the bottom of your heart. God's Word, we live and die by it. We've covered the question, where did the Bible come from? We looked at last week as, is the Bible reliable? And this week we're going to look at a very, um, a very gnarly case study to see where you would stand uh, on this particular cultural issue uh, after uh, you hear what God's word has to say about it. Uh, but to set this up, I got a video that I want you to watch. Here it goes.
it is an undeniable pattern of God for parents to protect their children. It's a pattern. Well, it's called general revelation. We covered it in our first week in this series. General revelation is where God reveals himself to all people. And in this particular case, you don't even need the Bible to determine that this is true pattern of God. We even see that it's not only true amongst human beings, but within the animal kingdom. And yes, there are few exceptions, a few anomalies, but overall, this truth is seen to be self-evident. It is seen to be self-evident. I don't know about you, but I have four children, and I would immediately and suddenly, without hesitation, be willing to lay down my life for them. Can I get an amen, parents? Yeah. No, I do, well, I do have this one of the four that I'm not 100% <laughs> sure about. Yeah, no, I'm just joking. It's, it's just this crazy thing. It's, it's not something that I got trained for. It's not something that I try hard for. It's just built within my system as a dad, and I know Roseanne feels that way as a mom. It's the purest expression of unconditional love that one can experience. Are you with me, church? It's just hard to deny. It's hard to deny this experience. In our country, if you were to inappropriately touch or even inappropriately look at a kid, you will be considered a felon and for the rest of your life, you will be labeled a child sex offender. Sending a strong message to everybody, don't mess with our kids. Amen. Aardvark. Aardvark. If you don't know what that is, talk to the person next to you. That is why it is inconceivable to me that there have been 63,459,781 children aborted in the United States since 1973, and that number is climbing every day, particularly in the state of Kansas. Back when Roe v. Wade was overturned, abortions in our country went down 6% across our country, but up 36% in the state of Kansas, only second to North Carolina at 37%. The World Health Organization estimates that there are 73 million abortions each year, accounting for one-third of all the pregnancies in the world, making it the number one cause of death in our world. Get a child out of the womb and you dare not touch them or look at them inappropriately. Stick that child back in the womb and you can do whatever the heaven you want to them. And there are no consequences. It's even 
you're right. In doing the research, good research, here are the reasons why woman, women uh, say they got abortion, and this is in their words. Number one reason, having a baby would dramatically change my life, 74%. No joke, <laughs> right? <laughs> we have four kids, every one of them changed my life. The second one at 73% said, I can't afford to have a baby right now. Yeah, get it. We had our first child be 39 years ago come August when I was in my first year of a four-year graduate program. We didn't have two nickels to rub together. It cost an estimated $250,000 to raise a child today from birth to 18. Third reason goes down to 48%. I don't want to be a single parent. I get that. The next one, 25%. I'm not ready to have a child. (laughs) Anybody ever ready to have a child? 12%, I have health concerns for me or the baby. And less than 1%, I was encouraged by a parent or a partner. I'm surprised at that number. No one in this major study done by the Guttmacher Institute, totally reputable institution, no one referred to rape or incest. But I looked up the facts, and here they are. Abortions due to rape, 1%. Abortions due to incest, less than 0.5%. Even though if you watch the news or the media, they make a much bigger deal of this than is true. These are, folks, whether you like it or not, these are the facts. This can be very confusing, however, to women, as well as to couples, 60% of all abortions, the choices made by a couple in America, because we have lived in a country since 1973, most of us, you know, grew up or weren't even born in that era, where the country has said to us that it is your right as a woman to have an abortion, and now they say it's not. But we live in a state, the state of Kansas, who says it is your right to have an abortion. And so you ask, which is it? Which one is it? Which one's true? And for the follower of Jesus Christ, that's not where we look for truth. As followers of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that our citizenship is in heaven, which means we live our lives by the constitution of heaven and not by what our government says. And therefore, the follower of Jesus Christ basically asks, what does God say about this matter? What does not the government say, but what does God say? And it reminds me of an encounter that Peter in the New Testament in the book of Acts had with some Jewish religious leaders that were beating him up and throwing him into prison and they said now Peter we want you to stop talking about Jesus and his response in Acts chapter 4 and verse 19 is which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to listen to him for the follower of Jesus Christ who's serious about our faith we listen to him So what I want to do today in our series, God's Word, We Live and Die By It, is simply ask the question, what does God say? What does God's Word say about four topics? The first one is, what does God say about life? What does God's Word say about death? 
What does God's word say about women's rights? And what does God's word say about forgiveness? This would be a good time for you to open up the Westside app and go to the gathering notes because there's going to be a lot of scriptures for you to look at. If not, if you don't have it, download the Westside Family Church app. Now, let me start with the topic of life. What does the Bible say about life? If you put them all together and there's tons of scriptures, this is what it says. Life begins before conception. That's what the Bible says. Wow. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5 reads, Before I formed you in the womb of your mother, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Go to Isaiah chapter 43. The prophet writes, This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord, the maker of all things, who stretches out the heavens, who spreads out the earth by myself. Moving over to the New Testament, Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16 says, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him amongst the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human beings. And then the famous one, Psalm chapter 139, beginning in verse 13. For you created my inmost beings. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So with that said, clear, plain, from God's word, how then should we live? And I want to give you two action items. Number one, value all human life. The follower of Jesus Christ values all human life. Men, women, children, white, black, yellow, brown, blondes, brunettes, and yes, even people with pink and purple hair. People who act, behave, and believe differently than you. The disabled, the imprisoned, the poor, the rich, and even the unborn. Value all human life. The reality is if we were to study scriptures even further, it would tell us that we value all life. And I've told you this before, maybe you didn't hear it, but me, Randy Frazee, I don't even except mosquitoes and roaches. I don't even kill a bug. No. I mean, if there is a bee in my house, I will chase it down for 45 minutes to release it into nature because I value all human life with the exception of mosquitoes and roaches. If you can give me a purpose for why they're here, other than sucking the blood out of me, uh, then uh, if they're going to attack me, I'm going to kill them, right? But principle number two, stand up for the voiceless. If you believe the word of God, then you would stand up for the voiceless. Listen to Proverbs chapter 31, verse eight. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. That's your assignment. Speaking up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. So for the follower of Jesus Christ, um, we stand up for the civil rights of Americans. 
and we have no problem posting on our Instagram our celebration of Martin Luther King Day. Why? Because it wasn't a few years ago under our watch where black kids, think of this as your children, your children, can't use the same potty, can't drink out of the same water fountain as the white kids, have to go to the back of the bus. How about if that was your kids? You'd have something different to say about it. And to follow Jesus Christ, there's a righteous indignation. And while there's some crazy stuff going on in the movement, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are for the civil rights of all human beings, including our black brothers and sisters. Can I get an amen? amen? That was good. I was waiting for that. But it also means, aardvark, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have no other alternative but then to vote pro-life. You have no other alternative. What does the scripture say about death? When you study it all, Old and New Testament, it basically says this, death, not our job. Take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 17. Famous passage of scripture. Say it with me. You shall not murder. Now, this is in the English, but the, the original writing was in the Hebrew language of which I studied. So I went back and I studied it in the Hebrew, and this is what it really says. You shall not murder. <laughs> it says the same thing. Take a look at Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And here are the first three. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Finally, take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 6. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. Life and death are God's business, not ours. So the question then, if we believe that, how then should we live? I have uh, three recommendations for you. The first one is, don't play God. I've been a pastor for 34 years and I've had the responsibility of watching people die of the most intense diseases right before my eyes. And it makes me, out of a heart of mercy, want to be in favor of something like euthanasia. Can we just put them out of their misery? There is no hope here. Have you ever, like, Watch, like I did with my mother, someone die a painful death like pancreatic cancer? Have you, have you ever watched one of your closest friends die a slow death over to three to four years of ALS? You just want to say, please, enough already. But the scriptures would invite us to say, that's not our job. And the same thing is true with the life of the unborn. Now, 
it is interesting as we've gotten more sophisticated with medicine and science that we have come up with names uh, for this thing in the womb over the course of the pregnancy. And I think in some ways it could be helpful medically, but I think in other ways it's helped us to dehumanize what's going on. The, the little thing starts off as a zygote and then it goes to an embryo and then it goes to a morula, and then it goes to a blastocyst, and finally a fetus. It doesn't become a child or a neonate or a newborn until it actually comes out of the womb. I'm fine with the language. It's fine if it helps us scientifically and medically, but I think in some ways it helps to dehumanize what is going on. But I have noticed in society that when a young couple gets pregnant and they're just so excited and they put out on social media, usually a little bit too early because they're so excited, they don't put out a picture and say, look at our zygote, look at our blastocyst. No, they say, we're having a, we're having a baby. Life has been ignited by the miraculous work of God's design and with the extreme responsibility and protection and care of the parents, this little one is on their way to becoming an independent human being just like them. I wanna put a quote up and I want you to take a look at it hard. Slavery and the Holocaust happened because one group of people decided another group of people weren't human. That's how it happened. That's how they got away with it. Small group of people decided that another group of people, blacks, Jews, were not human. Go back and do the history. They declared them not human. And as a result, that's how they took their lives. That is what's happening with the unborn. Second way in which we would live if we believe God's word to be true, don't use abortion as a form of birth control. This fact is what 98.5% of abortion is. It is a form of birth control. That is the facts. Number three, adoption is an option. I want you to look at a quote from Ronald Reagan. He said, one day a pretty fresh-faced young lady, intelligent and sincerely concerned, asked me if abortion wasn't preferable to making a young unmarried girl have a baby she didn't want and which would therefore grow up unloved and probably turn out to be a criminal. I gave an answer which apparently she hadn't considered. I told her there were literally millions of people in this country who wanted but could not have children and who waited eagerly, sometimes for years, to adopt the baby she had described. So I, I took a look at the facts. In 2020, there were 930 1,160 abortions in the United States. 930,160 abortions in the United States. 
and there were an estimated two million adults who wanted to adopt a child in the United States. I'm just saying. When I was doing the research from the Guttmacher Institute of the women, what they said were the reasons that they had an abortion. Uh, This was a quote that I just couldn't pass up. Take a look at it. More than one-third of interviewed respondents said they had considered adoption and concluded that it was morally unconscionable option because giving one's child away is wrong. So what's the option? Kill them. What in the heaven is going on in the minds of people? Let's shift gears. Women's rights. What does the Bible say about women's rights? When you study the scriptures in whole, I'm going to give you two examples. This is what it says. God highly values all women, so should we. Feast your eyes on Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. Participate with me. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Say it with me. Male and female, he created them. Women, like men, are created in the image of God. Well, that sounds pretty special. Skip over to the New Testament, Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. Say it with me. Nor is there Male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The Bible is uber clear that it is against racism, slavery, and the subjugation of women. So, therefore, should all Christians who believe the Bible is the very word of God. Therefore, West Side Family Church who is governed under the leadership of Jesus Christ and Jesus alone, is against racism, slavery, and the subjugation of women. And that's the way it's going to be. If you don't like that, time to find another church. Aardvark. So the question is, how should we then live? I have two Suggestions for us. Number one, men, let's step it up. Men, let's step it up. Because here's the deal. It has been the poor behavior of men over the years that has gotten us into this mess to begin with. It has been the poor behavior of men that has gotten us into this mess to begin with. The Bible says to honor value and to respect all women particularly your wife employers give women equal pay for the same job men stop all this sexual shenanigans or go to jail it's really interesting Rosanna and I have taken dance lessons for several years now And one of the things we learned, it is true, hard to swallow for some of you strong women, 
But in the dance, the man leads the dance. But the goal of the man leading the dance is to highlight the woman. He spins her. He dips her. The whole focus is on her beauty and on her respect and on her intelligence. That is the job of a man who loves God. And all the women said, Men, you have rights too, but you also have responsibilities to uphold the rights of women, period. Second suggestion for women, embrace your rights, embrace your rights, but don't take the right away from your child at a chance of life. It is important for you to stand up for your rights and for the rights of other women but at a certain point, you don't even need the Bible for this. At some point for society to survive, your rights have to be coupled with the responsibility that you have. You have rights, both men and women do, under the authority of God. But when that right butts up against taking the right away from another person to live, that's where all bets are off. And you have a responsibility to protect that. If you don't want a baby, don't have sex. If it happens, because it's going to happen, put the baby up for adoption. I have led many teenage mothers with their parents to that conclusion. And many of those little babies today are vibrant adults. That's how old I am. In the Westside family app, under the gathering notes, I wanted so badly to talk about the rise of the sexual revolution. I don't have time to talk about it, but I put a link to a podcast there that I would encourage you all to listen to. The lady's name is Lewis, Lewis Perry. Uh, she's British. I don't think she is a believer in Jesus, but she wrote a book called The Case Against the Sexual Revolution. That's where all of this started. And you're not going to be able to have a conversation with somebody until you go back to 1960s and 70s to understand where it happened. So check that out. Okay, fourth category, then we'll wrap up. What does the Bible say about forgiveness? When you look at it across the Old and the New Testament, this is what it says. It's available to all. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I am 100% confident that a number of you hearing my words have had an abortion. I know it. You say, I, how do you know? I, I know it. It's statistically impossible for it not to be within the church, given the numbers. Including not only the women, but for the men as well. A number of years ago, a couple years ago, I gave a similar message in San Antonio on this topic. And I interviewed a lady, a follower of Jesus, who had three abortions. And she talked about her need to experience the forgiveness of God within the body of Christ 
And before we came out to do the Saturday night service, one of four services, she and another individual said, you need to give people in the service who've had an abortion, men and women, an opportunity to stand up in front of the body and once and for all experience the forgiveness of God within the body of Christ. And I said, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. There's no way I'm going to do that. We brought a few elders in. I said, hey, let's give it a try on Saturday night. I did. Against my better judgment. And in my Christian church, over 60 people stood up. Including men who had been carrying the guilt all of their life. The next morning was the 815 service. And here at Westside, we have a lot of young people that come at 815. But there in San Antonio, man, these are people very close to seeing Jesus. <laughs> very, very close. Days, maybe hours, man. Old people, right? And I said, there's no need to do it with these old people. They have lived, you know, lives, you know, there's no way. They said, no, you got to do it. 815 service, many people stood up. The first person that stood up was on the very front row, tears strolling down her face, 86 years old. She said, I have been carrying this all of my life, and I'm ready to come clean and get behind it and let God forgive me so that maybe I can forgive myself. If we come to God, he promises to forgive us and to restore us. Do you remember the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery in the, in the Gospels? The men brought the woman into the street for the purpose of stoning her. This is so typical of knucklehead men. Where in the heck is the guy? You know, it takes two to tangle. Where is he at, right? Stupid, right? <laughs> Jesus shows up on the scene with these group of cogity old men getting ready to stone a woman and he says he who is without sin cast the first stone right and then we know what Jesus does is he 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 stoops down and he starts writing something into the sand right after he says this now we don't know what he wrote in the sand some people suggest that he was writing out the sins the private sins of the men in the circle and they went oh no we got to get out of here we don't really know. All we know is they started leaving one at a time, beginning with the oldest man first to the youngest, where it came down to just Jesus and this woman. And Jesus stood up, and he held her, and he looked into her eye, and he said, Woman, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir. No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Observation, he called what she did sin. Adultery is a sin. A lying tongue is a sin. And so is abortion. And you are likely carrying a pile of guilt because of it. And you should. But God doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to forgive you and to restore you. Jesus has not condemned you. He loves you. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so for some of you today, 
That is the spiritual business you need to take care of. You need to receive forgiveness from God who has actually already forgiven you so that you can forgive yourself and be restored. And we have prayer people here at Lenexa in our prayer room. They're available at Speedway. And if they're online, just reach out and say, I need prayer and I need forgiveness. We also have resources. We have an abortion support group that is getting ready to start up. And uh, here's the place you go uh, to find that support group. And our team is available in the commons to talk with you. Maybe it's not you, but somebody that you know. And we are big supporters of advice and aid that provides a lot of resources in this area. We would encourage you to check it out. Now, as I wrap up, I prayed about this. I, I, these, I'm speaking words, and I'm a guy. There's all kinds of things that are, that are just not good about that. Right? I mean, he's a guy. I wanted to put a face on this issue. I wanted you to hear from somebody who experienced it and lived to tell the story. It's hard to watch, but you must look in the face of it for what it really is. Listen carefully. Take a look. When I was 10 and a half weeks gestation, my birth mom had an abortion. She did not know I, I was still alive until she felt me move. Then she chose to give me life. I was born two and a half months early, weighing three pounds, six ounces. My injuries from the failed abortion was enormous and my life threatening. I, I suffered a large, inju large injury to my head from the abortion instrument and due to this I had brain damage at birth. I have cerebral palsy as a result of the abortion procedure. I still have seizures and have a rod in my back to help my scoliosis. I always knew I was adopted. I didn't always understand about abortion, but I knew I had a large scar on the on my head. And to this day it reminds me how God spared my life when I was in the womb. I first met my birth mom 
When I was 12 years old, my adoptive mom agreed to arrange to me. I saw my birth mom and I knew she loved me and I loved her like I had always knew her. I knew my birth mom made a wrong choice, but I forgave her and will always love her. I thank God he saved me. I know he has a plan for both of our lives. In preparing for this recording, I became very upset while thinking about how some people say that an unborn child is not a person. Being small, different, or not yet born doesn't change who you are. I know this better than most. I want to tell my story so people will see that I am much more than a choice. My name is Hope and I am and have always been found valuable and loved. I am thankful for my life. God is always there with me and he gives me what I need. So in each of these services, uh, we have been, we've asked you to declare for yourself personally between you and God where you stand with his word. And we've given you three choices. And some of you have been here and you've made that choice and I'm going to ask you to make it again. For some of you, this is the first time you've been here for the series. And there are three cards available at multiple stations around the room and at Speedway. And I want you to just honestly, no one's going to be watching you, pick the card that best represents where you're at. This week we have new scriptures on them for you to, uh, to meditate on. So that's why you want to get up and get a new card even if you've come the last couple weeks. The first one says, my way. Just honestly saying, hey, you know what? I've heard what you've had to say over these last three weeks now. And uh, you've given it your best shot. Uh, but I'm going to go my way. Uh, I'm going to stay in charge of my life and do it my way. And that's okay. You're welcome here. Keep learning. Keep growing. Keep leaning in. Yeah. The second one's called Buffet. And this is the one where we had to reorder. Yeah. It's where most of us are at. Yeah, it's true. It's basically saying, you know what? I'm going to stay in charge of my life. But there are lots of things I like about the Bible. So I'm going to pick and choose the things that I like. And the last one's called All In. You're basically saying, you know what? Not perfect, 
but I'm making a declaration that I am all in and that I'm going to trust God's word and live it out to the best of my ability, even when I don't fully understand it, when I don't like it, and when the culture will hate me for it. Uh, I'm all in. I mean, you expect me to be, right? But I don't do it perfectly. But this is the desire of my heart because I trust God. I believe it's his word. And I believe, I believe he wants the best for me. So that's my decision. So during the worship, we want to invite you to come and grab a card, maybe a new card for you. But before we do, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. And uh, let's take communion together. The bread represents the body of Christ hung on the cross for the forgiveness of all sins. The cup represents the blood he shared and poured out because he loves us even while we were still sinners that much. Father, we come to you now. We thank you for your son who has made this forgiveness and this hope possible by grace through faith. And that's all we've got is faith. And so we, we demonstrate that to you now as we take Christ into our lives. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, church, the body of Christ. Church, the blood of Jesus. Come forward when you're ready to get a card around the sides. And let's worship our God together.